Well, anybody who knew Aaron and Landry knew they loved the Lord. They were men of God, and um, they're very worthy of being honored. And I know they will be honored um, this week at, at the services will be held for them. But in the remainder of our time together this morning, I want us to honor God. Um, and that's what Aaron and Landra have no doubt would want us to do. In fact, I had considered not even coming out of our series in John and just continuing, because I'm pretty confident if Aaron was here, he'd say, hey, don't stop for me. <laughs> he'd say, just keep on going through and, and God's word. But I really felt convicted by God that today we should step out of our series in John, which we'll jump back into next Sunday, and just allow God's word to guide us through these difficult times that we're going through. And the question that I'm sure many of you have been asking the last couple of days is how should we respond to tragedy, to, to loss like this? And I understand some of you are newer to our church and you, you don't know the gambles, but um, I would say to you, if you're not experiencing this with us right now, you will experience it. We all know. That's not a surprise, right? That We know we're all going to experience things like this in life. And so this is a very relevant question to address biblically. How do we respond to loss, to suffering? And I want to give you three things that I think we as Christians should do, biblically speaking. And the first is this, that we, sh- we grieve, but with hope. That we do grieve, but we do it with hope. You know, some people would tell you that, that a Christian who believes in God should never be sad and should never mourn. They, they think that it, it shows a lack of faith, that it reflects poorly on God. But that is not biblical. Please understand that this morning, in Scripture again and again, we are encouraged, we are encouraged to respond to loss with mourning. There are entire psalms that are called lament psalms that teach us how to mourn and how to grieve, but to do it with hope. You know, last summer, we looked at um, one of those lament psalms. It was Psalm 13. You may remember we went through a series in the psalms last summer, and we went through different kinds of psalms. And for the lament psalm, we looked at Psalm 13, and I looked back at that, kind of refreshed my memory. And, you know, something that we just don't teach much in church But in those lament psalms, like Psalm 13, we see a pattern, an example for us to respond to things like this. And what we see in Psalm 13, the first step was to complain, that we actually have permission to to say, hey, God, I'm not okay, just to be honest. But the next two steps, there's there's three. The first is to complain. The next two are so important. We don't stop with expressing our grief and being honest with God, but we ask him for help. And we trust in his promises. So it's okay to grieve, but we're called to do that with hope. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want to read a passage to you. And here we see an example of grieving, but doing it with hope. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he's writing to people who have lost loved ones. And they are wondering about where are they and... and, and um, how do we get through this? And we see some encouraging words here. First Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 13. He says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep, 
so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. When he's talking about sleep there, obviously he's talking about death. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will, and so we will always be with the Lord. And I love this last part. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So we are told there in verse 13, he says, listen, I don't want you to grieve like those with no hope, but he's acknowledging that we do grieve. It's just that we don't grieve in hopelessness. We grieve, but we grieve with hope. In verse 16, he, he tells them why, because the dead in Christ will rise. That Aaron and Landry are with the Lord now in spirit, and one day their, their bodies, they'll be given new bodies, and they'll rise from the grave. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So Aaron and Landry in a moment were in God's presence, worshiping him and praising him. And so we grieve because we're left behind, but we grieve with hope. And then verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. That's, that's what we're doing right now. What we need to continue to do is to remind ourselves and each other of what's true. And our emotions and our circumstances can disorient us sometimes and make us think things that aren't true. And we've got to come back to God's word and remind ourselves and remind one another. And so we grieve, but we grieve with hope. The second thing is this, that our reason for hope is the gospel. And one of the reasons I asked Dan to read what he did is because he explained there um, and gave lots of verses about the gospel. And the gospel is just the good news that Jesus died for our sins so we can be forgiven and made right with God and have eternal life both here in a relationship with God right now as believers, but then also for all eternity. And so our hope is not wishful thinking. Our hope is a confident assurance in the truth of the gospel. And in times like these, we need to remember the gospel, and we really need to remember all of Scripture, the entire story. We, we know in the beginning that God created everything, and then he said he created everything good. But we also know by Genesis chapter 3, things had already gone wrong. In Genesis 3, we see Adam and Eve rebel against God. Rather than worshiping God, they wanted to be God, and they believed the lies of Satan and at that point in Genesis 3, when they sinned and rebelled against God, the earth was cursed. And, and we see the beginning of all kinds of things there. We see for the first time pain and sickness and death and broken relationships. And now this is the world we live in right now. So we know how it started and how we got here, but we also know how it ends. We just talked about Genesis, but let me remind you of how the Bible ends, how time ends. In Revelation chapter 21, it says this, beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. 
Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And here's the part I think this morning we're all longing for. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. So we know how it began and we know how it ends in Jesus. And we, we know it ends like this because of the gospel. I mean, why do we believe this Revelation 21 is true? Why do we think that those who believe in Jesus will one day have an eternal happy ending? And that Aaron and Landry have one right now. It's because of the good news of the gospel, because of Jesus. Because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came down, God incarnate, God in the flesh, and he came down and he lived the perfect life we could never live and died for our sins to reconcile us to God, to give us eternal life. You know what he was doing? He was beginning the first steps of reversing the curse that started in Genesis 3. Genesis 3, sin comes in, and all these things we're experiencing now, but Jesus came back to begin to reverse those things, and ultimately, at the end of time, they're going to be completely reversed. But in his life, he proved that he was the Messiah, and he proved this because he had power over sin. He had power over sickness by healing people. He had power over nature. He had power over evil. He had power even over death. And when he rose from the grave, he ultimately proved that he is who he said he was. And he's going to come back one day again and make everything right and wipe away every tear. But right now we're living in, the, in between what we call the already but the not yet. <laughs> we're already saved. We're already in a right, right, right relationship with God if you're a believer. But we're not yet in perfection. We're not yet to the end of time. But we have that to look forward to. But right now, even though the, we're, we're living in the in-between, through Jesus... If you're a believer, we have been made right with God. And we are in a relationship with him that's going to go on for all eternity. But we, we still live in a world full of sin and suffering. A corrupted world full of pain. And so in this in-between, you and I don't always understand why things are happening right now. Like We can look at the beginning and say, hey, I know why everything's sinful and messed up and they're suffering. And we can look at the end and say, I believe, because I believe in Jesus, that's our ending. But in the in-between right now, it's, I don't have all the answers. I'm not big enough, smart enough to know why God allows things like this. But we do, through the gospel, through believing in Jesus, have this relationship with God that carries us through times like this, even when we don't understand. So because of Jesus, we have hope even as we grieve. Because of Jesus, we have God's presence because we've been made right with him. If you've trusted in Jesus for your salvation, then right now the Holy Spirit lives in you and you have God's presence and you have his relationship to enjoy and difficult things and things that are painful and we cause us to suffer do not mean that God has left us or that God has forgot about us. That's the truth of Scripture. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Because of Jesus, we have God's presence. And because of Jesus, we also have God's promises. We have God's promises that, that he's in control. We have God's promises that our eternity, that Aaron and Landry's eternity is secure. And so because of the gospel, we 
And because of Jesus, we have God's presence, we have his promises, and, and we also we have his peace. That peace that's beyond understanding. That peace that the world will look at us and say, how could you suffer something like that and still have peace? It's because of God. It's because of the gospel. Because we know this world is not all there is. And we have confidence that Aaron and Landry are with Jesus and that those of us who believed and have been saved, that we one day will be too. So the first two things is that it is biblical to grieve. We grieve, but we grieve with hope. The second thing is that we, we, um, that we, our hope is because of the gospel. The reason for our hope is the gospel. And then the third thing is this. That listen, we've got to tell other people why we have this hope. We've got to tell other people why we believe that Aaron and Landry are in heaven and that one day we will be too. We've got to give them the reason for this hope that we have in our lives. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter is writing to those early Christians who are suffering. And listen to what he says. He says, worship Christ as Lord of your life. He's saying, in your suffering, worship God. Worship Jesus. But listen to what he goes on to say. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, he's saying, as you're suffering, but you're still worshiping, people are going to notice. And they're going to ask you, what's the reason for your hope? He says, always be ready to explain it. Even as we suffer, we worship. We live with hope. And we've got to be ready to tell other people why we have this hope. And it's because of Jesus and because of the good news of the gospel. Listen, let me just tell you, for those of us that are believers in these coming days, we are going to have more opportunities than normal to tell people why we have hope. And we don't want to squander these opportunities. Aaron and Landry wouldn't want us to. God doesn't want us to. This is an opportunity not to be manipulative, but to be loving and to be caring and to give people the truth they need, the truth of the gospel. You know, C.S. Lewis famously said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, that he speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. He says it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. You know what he's saying? Is God's always speaking. And in our good times and our pleasures, we kind of hear the whisper of God, his voice. In our conscience, we hear God speaking to us, calling us to him. But it's in our pain that he shouts. And it's often through painful experiences that God gets our attention and gets other people's attention. Right now, there will be people suffering and God has their attention. And he, God may just place you in the right place at the right time to share the good news of why you have hope and why Aaron and Landry had hope, why Tara and Daisy have hope. We don't want to miss those opportunities. Romans 8.28 says that God works all things together for good. We don't understand how he could do that in this, but we believe it. And I know at least one of the ways he could bring good is by people being saved through this and what we're all going through. So we grieve, but with hope, our reason for hope is the gospel, and we've got to tell people that, that that is our reason for hope. Let me end by saying this. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer, and then we're going to end with a song. I know in a group this size, there are some of you here today that are not yet believers, and, and let, me know, let me say we are glad you're here. Let me also encourage you, if you're not absolutely 
sure that you're right with God because you've trusted in Jesus. Would you please talk with one of us? Stay after church today. Call the church office this week. Contact us. We'd love to have a conversation. Anybody that knows us here at this church, we are not pushy. We're not going to manipulate you into something you don't want to do, but we would love to have a conversation. You may be here today and you're not yet a believer. Maybe you came with someone who is. I bet that person would love to have a conversation with you. Just ask them. No one's going to try and twist your arm, but just have a conversation and, 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 and ask, why do you believe something that sounds so far-fetched? <laughs> there are reasonable answers, starting with Jesus really rose from the grave, and that's why all of his disciples went to their death. They didn't make up this story of his resurrection. They wouldn't have died for a lie. So ask those questions, have those conversations, and my prayer is that you would believe, that you would trust in Jesus, and you would have the same hope that we have. For those of you who are already believers, it's okay to grieve. But let's do it with hope because we believe the gospel. And let's just look for opportunities to tell others how they can have this same hope and they can know Jesus too. Would you pray with me? Lord, we admit to you as you ask us to, God, that we are hurting. We don't understand why things like this happen. But God, we know even when things like this happen, you are great and you are still good. We know that this world is not the end. We know that Aaron and Landry are with you because they believed in Jesus. And we look forward to joining them and you. God, we look forward to heaven where there's no pain no sorrow, no death. We thank you for making that possible through Jesus. God, we believe. Help us believe more. May we experience your presence, your peace, and trust in your promises. May those who do not yet believe come to believe and trust in Jesus for salvation. May Aaron and Landry's testimony and even our testimony help lead them to believe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, if you want to read a book about suffering, you can go read the book of Job. I love the way it starts. Why? Let me explain that. It starts with all these tragedies. What I love is the surprise that comes in the first chapter. Because here Job loses everything. And his response right there in Job 121, even in the midst of suffering, is to worship and praise God because he still knows God is worthy of worship and praise even in the midst of his suffering, even when he can't understand what's going on. In Job 121, after Job has lost everything, he says, The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord.